Have you heard the guitar screaming in the alley? Have you heard the guitar roaring like a Harley? Have you heard the guitar busking in the street? Guitars, guitars, guitars in your face. Guitars, guitars, guitars in your face. Have you heard the guitar live in Hotel Hell? Have you heard the feedback in the nightclub? the guitar screaming like a banshee guitars 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 in your face guitars 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 in your face a million dollars. And you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there, Ron Ganderton, Sound Ceremony, brand new Sound Ceremony with Guitars in Your Face. Thank you so much, Ron, for his brand new Sound Ceremony offering. Today on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, an interview with, from Brooklyn, New York, Shellshag. And right now, to prepare you for Shellshag, have something Canadian, because a lot of the American papers have been writing recently about Pierre Elliott Trudeau 
coming to power. Pierre Elliott Trudeau's son, Justin. The reason I mentioned Pierre Elliott Trudeau, because his wife, Margaret, is the one they're writing about in the New York Post, etc. They are so excited that Margaret Trudeau is back in the news. In past in the Nardwarty Human Serviette radio show, during this past election, past, 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 did some interviews with Justin Trudeau, Thomas Mulcair, played a vintage interview with Pierre Elliott Trudeau as well. You can check those out in the podcast or at nardwar.com. Played a whole bunch of Canadian political records. Crazy Ed came out and played some Canadian political records. Some political records that mentioned Justin Trudeau and Pierre Trudeau that we had not played before. And I found another one here to play. Just maybe to finish the political records since Justin Trudeau is the new Prime Minister. Got this record called Hey Pierre. and going to play it right now. It is Hey Pierre by George Amodio, of course, about Pierre Trudeau, Justin's dad, and it's kind of not really a pro-Pierre tune. Just thought I would give a little warning. If you're a Pierre tune fan, it's not really a fan of Pierre type tune. But here's Pierre by George Amodio from the Hey Pierre LP. Coming up after that, an interview with Shell Shag on the Nardwar, the human Serviette radio show. Uh, <clears throat> show. Uh, oh, show. Uh, here we go. Uh, we reach over to the turntable and we get the turntable ready to go here on the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show. Hey, Pierre. What do you care? You got a million in the bank and don't need welfare. When you see our nation ache, can you just take off on vacation? Do they tighten up their belts where you go skiing in the Alps? Hey, Pierre! There's something wrong there. While our women take the pill, Why you just shrug it off on us, hey, P- 
sound so debonair And you came on like a charmer While the farmer lost his home You'll get the finger from the people in B.C. Instead of votes, you made history in Sudbury The way you helped their industry Hey, Pierre You gotta go Hey, Pierre The recession's here now will your constitution make it disappear? While we eat bilingualism and we drink your metric system, you could tell some of your jokes, so we'll forget we're broke, hey, Pierre. If you don't like it here, why, there's an awful lot of people who would gladly pay your fare to Russia or to Cuba or to any other where. booklet here we go starting with your left foot tap your left foot to the side a six count here we go one two three four step side and bring your feet together let's try that again left foot first tap together tap together side together now the right foot point side together forward back during that whole sequence remember your weight stays on your left foot now take a step forward on your right and pivot to the right a quarter turn Cross in front with your left foot, point your right foot to the side. Now cross your right foot in front and step back on the left side with the right, bring your feet together. Now you should be facing the right, one quarter turn. Let's turn around and start that again. Here we go. Tap your left foot to the side. Ready, and tap together, tap together, side together. Now with the right foot, tap together, forward back, now forward on the right foot and take a half turn pivot. Quarter in front with the left, cross in front with the right, and back left, side together. Very good, let's try that one more time. Here we go, from the top, ready? And tap together, tap together, side together. Tap together, forward, back, step, pivot. Cross in front with the left, point the right, cross in front with the right, back, side, together. Now we're gonna go all the way through. Ready, from the top. And one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, repeat. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, back, side, again. One, two, three, four, side, together, point, together, forward, back, side, pivot, cross, point, cross, back, side, again. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, step, pivot, cross, point, cross, back, side, you got it. One, two, three, four, five, six, tap, together, forward, back, step, pivot, cross, point, cross, back, side, again. One, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, and again. 
Remember now, this is done in three groups of sixes. So you got 18 counts to complete the whole dance. Okay, we want everybody up now. And a one, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Again. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five. Again. One, two, three, four, five, six. Go. Pivot. Back side together. You got it. Won't you be my friend? 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 Won't you come along and join my little song? All you have to do is stand and clap your hands. Won't you come along and join my little song? All you have to do is stand and clap your hands. Won't you be my friend? 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 Won't you come along and join my little song? All you have to do is stand and clap your hands. Won't you come along and join my little song? All you have to do is stand and clap your hands. And you're still listening to the Nardwar, the human serviette radio show. You just heard right there, hop Palmer with Won't You Be My Friend from the album Getting to Know Myself. Interesting, on the album, which is a gatefold, it says, please note, in the songs Be My Friend and Change, certain phrases are repeated many times. Hap intended them to be performed in this way. Please do not misinterpret this as a defect in the record. Well, I would say if you interpreted that as a defect in the record, that's exactly what we want to do in an Ardwar to Human Serviette radio show. We want to misinterpret everything as a defect in the record. So there we have Getting to Know Myself by Hap Palmer. And before that, Learn Disco Dancing with 
Bus Stop. And before that, Hey Pierre by George Amadio. Coming up, an interview with Shell Shag from Brooklyn, New York. They're playing Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on the 14th. That is November 14th at the Astoria. Shell Shag. And to prepare you even further for Shell Shag, here's some more music from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Brand new from King Fisher Blues head honcho, Tim the Mute. From the Tim the Mute LP, Why Live, we are going to hear When You Got Your Face Tattoo on the Nardwar the Human Serviette Radio Show.
You're listening to CITR Radio and Anardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. And we have a caller on the line. Hello, caller. Are you there? Yes, I am. Who are you? My name is Jennifer Shagalot. And Jennifer, who else is in the Shagalotters? Shellhead. Shellhead. You are Jennifer from Shell Shag. Yes. Welcome to the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show. Well, thank you very much for welcoming me. Uh, Jennifer, we just played here your buddy Blowfly. What can you tell the people about Blowfly? We had him on the Nardward Human Serviette Radio Show last week because he played in Vancouver at the Rio Theater, and he gave me his LP, so I thought I'd play it right there. And you're coming to Vancouver next Saturday the 14th to the Astoria. But what can you say about Blowfly? You actually did a gig with your band, Shellshag and Blowfly. Yeah, we did at Sluggo's in Florida. When did we play with Blowfly? A couple years ago, and I got to play drums with him. So for the listeners that heard that song, what would you describe the Blowfly show as? We played Blowfly Funk Eye Party. Oh, man, I've got to put Shell on to tell you a Blowfly story. And here we go hey. to Shy Shell. It's, it's Nardwar. We just played a Blowfly tune, and you guys are live on the air now, and I thought I'd ask you if you played with Blowfly, and Shag said you did play with Blowfly. What could you explain to the people that maybe didn't hear the Nardwar to Human Serviette radio show last week when I interviewed Blowfly about what Blowfly is all about? We just heard one of his songs, Funkai Party. What an amazing person. Blowfly is, and we've done a few shows with him, and one of my favorite stories is at South by Southwest, uh, some of his bandmates hit us up to let him stay over in our hotel room, which was much closer to the show, so that he could zip over and perform and go back and relax afterwards. So we set him up over there, and the show went great, and we got back to the hotel room, there was a crazy old movie on the TV, the phone book was out on the bed, and the phone was sitting next to it, it looked like he just had a heck of a time in our room. No idea what happened, but I tell you, very mysterious. Been wondering myself for years. What an incredible performer Blowfly is. Interesting, though. He was watching an old movie, not ESPN. I thought he likes ESPN. He loves the sports, just like Shellshag. Yes, I love the sports. The sport of baseball, particularly. Is it true that Ross, the boss of the Dictators, the legendary punk band, the Dictators, owns a batting cage? That is absolutely true. We went over for our crazy punk rock baseball team to practice up at the batting cages, and up walks Ross the boss, and we talked to him for a little while, and he's owned that batting cage for a while. His son is a very, very good baseball player and now is a coach of many professional baseball players. 
It's interesting how handsome Dick Manitoba owns a bar and Ross the boss owns a batting cage. It's sort of like a bar plus a batting cage equals the dictators. Yes, I think so too. I wonder what the rest of the guys do. You are Shell Shag. Your band is Shell Shag coming to the Astoria next Saturday. You're from Brooklyn. You mentioned there, Mr. Shag and Shell, you mentioned a bit about the softball and the heavy metal. What is the softball heavy metal league that you guys have? Well, we have a baseball league, and, and it's uh, just regular baseball, not softball, which we started up with some other musicians from Pittsburgh and Chattanooga and from Philadelphia, and we just have a little league and some bands play, and we play some games, and we have a good time. But we also played some heavy metal softball once upon a time in San Francisco where we all dressed up in the best heavy metal wigs and our best outfit, put a keg out on second base, we play some softball, you got to stop at that keg and down a full beer before you can round second and head to home. Really great time. You also like hockey. You went to the Stanley Cup Finals, the Rangers? I wish I went to the Stanley Cup final with the Rangers, but I watched every game and rooted them for them. But that's a shag question all the way. Here comes shag. Back to shag. Shag, huh? you went to get to the Rangers? You got to go to the Rangers? No, I didn't, but I watched it at home. How about, though, from the perspective of watching, how would you describe shell shag in action like people right now i've you know i mentioned here a bit about sports and stuff describe what you guys look like live like you're standing up can you describe you guys what you look like live you're standing up well we're standing up and we're facing each other and shell built this pyramid of sound with two microphones that face one another so it goes between looking like two people are boxing and two people are hugging. It's a pyramid of sound amp. It's like a great sort of amp. I love it. And there's like that Y microphone that you mentioned. Do other bands have that? Do other bands play standing up? Have you played with any other standing up bands? Huh, you know what? The band that comes to mind that we did was a band called Pork from Austin, Texas in the 90s. And the girl in that band stood and played drums, and I loved that band. I remember that. I'm sure there's a million other people that stand, but that's the one that stands out to me the most. But you haven't... And then the band... Go ahead. No, go ahead, please, Shag. The other band that I remember watching them face each other was This Bikes a Pipe Bomb, and so we made them a microphone stand that they face each other, like special for them. And we called it, This Mike is a Pipe Bomb. <laughs> ba ba boom says <laughs> Shell Shag, coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Have I described the band accurately, or have you described the band accurately so far? There's also, aren't there bells involved, too? Do you have bells involved? Yeah, we're bells all, all over my body, on my legs and my feet and around my waist. And, um, yeah, and I jump around a lot. And could you pass the phone back at all, Shag, to Shell, if that's possible? 
Absolutely. And we're speaking here to Shell Shag from Brooklyn, New York, playing Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, at the Astoria with Poor Form, Dead Soft, and SBDC. And they're also playing the Black Lab that very same day for a punk rock flea market and Legs birthday at 2 p.m. Hello, Shell. Hi, Nardwar. How you doing? Good, Shell Shag. Okay, back to the sporting here, Shell. Jeter, Derek Jeter, waved to your mom. Your mom has connections to Derek D- Jeter? Well, not connections, but my mom went to see the Rangers play in Texas when the Yankees were there playing them, and she had been talking to me about what Yankee player was my favorite, and I told her Derek Jeter, and so she just stood there barking his name from her seat behind their bench repeatedly for innings until he finally just turned around and waved to her. She called me right away in the middle of the game to say she was able to get Derek Jeter to wave to her, probably just out of sheer irritation, but I thought that, that that's the coolest. My mom's the coolest. Have you ever done anything like that yourself, Shell, where you've tried to get a musician to wave at you or tried to get their attention? <laughs> I have not. No, I have not. I'm pretty well behaved. I like to watch the show and don't really need to talk to the musician at all. Well, how about growing up in Houston? Like, growing up in Houston, were you into rap at all? Did you wait for Bushwick Bill's autograph? Do you know much about Houston rap? I do, actually. I met Bushwick Bill uh, when I was a break dancer in junior high school, break dancing at a community center out in Fifth Ward. Uh, I had a really large break dance group called Soul Patrol that my mom, who's a dancer, managed and took all around Houston in the summer that break dancing was really popular and got us paid and made us a lot of money and at the time I did not know I was meeting Bushwick Bill but I believe him and the rest of the ghetto boys just wandered into this community center to make sure that we actually were good at break dancing which we were so afterwards you know, they came up let us know took our hands and then later on when the ghetto boys had some videos on MTV I said hey that's that guy that's that guy I met when we were break dancing that one summer pretty awesome. Did you have any opportunity to break dance for any other crews at all in Houston? Your long lost career there, Shell. Yeah, we break danced all over the place. Uh, we break danced at a Chippendales and a strip joint, both, which uh, all the dancers were made to put their clothes on and get out of the way and then we came in and danced for a little bit on the stage. They threw a bunch of money at us and then off we went. My mom was really good at setting us up with all these crazy places to break dance at and made us all a bunch of summer money. There were about 12 kids in the, in the breakdance group in Soul Patrol. Were there any local groups that you remember from back then, aside from the Ghetto Boys in Houston? No, I, I, I sure don't. I mean, I was, we were really into rap and all, and I didn't know any local uh, bands other than them. We did a lot of breakdance in, like, Midnight Star, you know, uh, uh, Freaks Come Out at Night, Houdini, and uh, Grandmaster Flash. It was, it was pretty old school. Uh, era that I was breakdancing in. It's so cool. The roots of Shell Shag go back to breakdancing and, amazingly, Bushwick Bill, but they also go to square dance calling? Your dad was a professional square dance caller? And still is. He's the number one square dance caller in the entire world. He's been to 20 or more countries calling square dancing, and he still does. I believe he's Actually, square dancing right now somewhere. He's square dance calling on tour himself. Now, my father's one of my touring heroes, and square dancing's probably the best DIY system I've ever seen. These guys got flyers at a square dance in Las Vegas for a cruise 
two years from now, leaving out of Miami. It's quite a strong community, and my dad's actually really, really good at it. He's one of the most popular square half callers in the world. And that leads me to ask Shell, and we're speaking to Shell from Shell Shag, coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, Saturday the 14th to the Astoria. Your dad was a world-class square dance caller. A, did he make any records? Because I know he made a punk record with your brother's band, The Degenerates. That is correct. Yeah, my dad has... uh maybe 75 gold records in square dancing. And in square dancing, it just takes 10,000 records. Most of them are all 45 to do a square dance gold record, and he has more than any other caller. A square dance 45 works like this. They take a popular song, and they change some of the lyrics to fit some square dance lyrics in there so that you get the choruses and the parts of the song that you really love, and then the square dance lyrics, which guide the dancers and what to do. The B-side is always an instrumental so that some other caller can buy this record and add a live square dance, can play the instrumental side and call on top of it. And the dancers, uh, you know, they follow the cues that the caller gives throughout the song so that they know what to do. It's a kind of a organized system there. Can you give a sample of what it would sound like on the A side? Uh, sure, sure. Okay. He's got a ticket to ride. Go side to an element, my friend. He's got a ticket to ride. You don't care. You know, something like this. They fit in just enough square dance lyrics to keep the dancers busy, try and keep as much of the original song as, as possible. So is and your dad... We got a few awards. Is your dad actually singing, or is he speaking? No, it's a, he, they sing. They sing. There's a lot of callers, and a really old-time caller would kind of sound like this, and and maybe sound a little more like they're talking. One of the things my dad's known for is having a really amazing voice and making it much more like the original song. And so he sings all the way through it. And he's also known for fitting the uh, square dance words in there in a really creative way so that the, the song just kind of flows like the original. And he has the music done by really well-known professional musicians up in Nashville so that you got the, uh, the best-sounding quality records. So when the callers call on the other side, they sound as, as good as they can with that music behind them. Is well, he... my dad's uh, mostly one of the best because he's got a really great voice. Have you found his records in thrift shops? And what name does he go by? And is he on Discogs.com? I believe, uh, I'm not sure if he's on Discogs. And yes, I get texts all the time of a picture, even just recently from our roadie, John Hayes, who's driving the van down the highway right now, from a record of my father's he found in Cincinnati at a store. It's a 45 of a, a song called uh, End of the World. I forget who does the original. And uh, send me a picture of it, and I'll get this all the time. His name is Wade Driver which is the same as my brother's na- name, uh, but it won't distinguish on the record, but my dad's Wade Driver Sr., my brother's Wade Driver Jr. The square dance record would just say Wade Driver, and they're, they're all over the place. And you alluded right there to the Degenerates, which was your brother's band, an amazing killed-by-death type band from like 80 or 81, and your dad recorded the Degenerates, and it sounds so good. What can you say about the Degenerates? Amazing Houston punk rock. That record is so good, and the Degenerates were great. My brother was really young, maybe 14, uh, 15, and I was like 11 or 12. And uh, he was, you know, he had a trap kit, uh, a drum kit in his room since he was like seven, kind of like a drumming prodigy. And so he had this band going on when he was in high school, and my dad took him to this record. Sounds really, really amazing. And I think they had that band going until he left uh, high school and moved up to Austin to, to start on a, a new band up there. And 
they just last year did a reunion show down there with uh, guys from Really Red and some of the other old school Texas punk bands. That if you can find that seven inch by the Degenerates, it is amazing. How rare is it? Are people fooling your house trying to get copies of it? It is very, very rare. I think I've seen it on eBay, eBay upwards of forty to fifty dollars for a copy. Uh, I think uh, they've started to put some of it on uh, online on YouTube and stuff. So you could probably go on YouTube and just hear the music. I have three copies myself. One is cracked. One's a little scratch, and the other one I've never played, and I guard them with my life. And you were Shell from Shell? Shag! shag. Yes, from Shell Shag. <laughs> uh, yeah, distant cousin of the Shags. I figure if we were there in the studio, you would hold up a 12-inch of that record by the Shags from a long time ago and say, are you related to these guys, Shell? Or I would <laughs> give you a Shags guitar. Did you see that they reissued the Shags guitar? I did not. Like a Hagstrom Shags guitar? That weird guitar that they had in some of the pictures. Was it Hagstrom? It's been reissued. Like there's a signature model for the Shags you can buy. Oh, I've got to go get that right away. And could you please turn the phone back to Miss Shell Shag? Yep, here she comes. Here she comes. Coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. In case you're wondering, we're speaking here to Shell Shag. Coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Next Saturday to the Astoria in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Right, Shag? Yes, that's correct. The Astoria. I first encountered you, Shag, at Lou's HMS Hazard House Party. What can you tell the people about that? That was an incredible party in Austin, Texas, at a house, and it said, like, Hazard House on the top of the house. I love it. And you were selling tons of... That was crazy. I met you when you were singing. You stuck your head out a window and started screaming at us all. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I was trying to reach the audience, which was, I think, escaping us at that point, and I noticed you were selling tons and tons of stuff on the lawn there. <laughs> Wait, what? You were telling you were selling tons and tons of neat merch on the lawn of that particular house. The HMS. Oh, yeah, we were. What was that like? Could you describe that house party? Is that like a lot of house parties that happen? I thought that was incredible. Like it actually said the name of the house, Hazard House, on the top of the house, and it was quite a nice house too. <laughs> it was a nice house. I guess it is a. Actually, no, 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 that was a really special house party. It was, don't you think, for, especially during South by Southwest, and everyone was so friendly, yet everyone went wild in the room and crazy, and you were hanging out the window and just selling merch on the grass, wasn't it? it? It was amazing, and I think also an early version of the Parquet Courts was there, too, as the teenage cool kids. They were hanging oh, out there, wow. too, because years later, they came up to me and said, yeah, we met you at the HMS Hazard House. I was like, that's incredible. Like, there was hardly anybody... That's incredible. There was hardly anybody there, but there was lots of people there, really, hanging out at the HMS Hazard House. Now, there is a shell shag action figure now. Is there really a shell shag action figure that people can buy when you come to Vancouver? You know, we, we're out of them right now, but yes, we actually call them noise toys because, you know, like I said earlier, Shellhead's definitely an inventor. So he's kind of started making these noise toys. The original one was for the band Triclops, and I know you're aware of them because you're aware of the Fleshies. John Geek, and they had like a, a USB. Yeah, I remember right. a USB release. They had one of the first USB exactly. release, didn't they? <laughs> yes. So now he's sort of adapted it where it's just the uh, 
download code Cal. He does want to go back to the USB version, but sadly we won't have him in Vancouver, but I'm sure when we get home he'll make a million more. He then makes everyone. They're amazing. Their arms and legs move, too, and their heads pop off. Are they orderable? You can go on YouTube and watch a commercial can, that a 8-year-old kid made for us. Can people order them? Hale. Can people order yeah. them? They can. Now, you're coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, to the Astoria. Yeah. How did you meet Legs? Because you're also playing with Legs Band, Poor Form, and doing a punk rock flea market earlier on in the day. Yes, at the Black Lab. And we met Legs and Nate years ago at a house called The Fort in Brooklyn. And uh, they, like you, like you mentioned, that party at South by Southwest, it's so fun when you play a party and you don't think you're ever going to see anyone again, you know? And then five, ten years go by, and like you said about Parquet Court, the kids grow up, but they stay with it and keep going and just get better and better and better. So Nate uh, and Legs really pushed for us to come to Vancouver. It'll be our first time. Never been. You had We're a, excited. Now, coming to Vancouver, touch wood, you said you had trouble going to Ottawa? We did have a little bit of trouble in going to Ottawa, Nardwo. In fact, I was arrested. <laughs> now, what were you arrested for? DIY, doing it yourself? What was the yeah, arrest? We right, exactly. We were arrested for doing it ourselves. Well, we travel a lot, so we usually travel very clean. And um, I had this vitamin in a vitamin container, an unidentifiable vitamin, apparently, which raised a red flag. I'm really into vitamins. I'm a real health nut. And so they brought the vitamin bag out, and they thought it was a drug of some sort. So they handcuffed me and arrested me for smuggling drugs into Canada. But then five hours later, after they got the dogs out and they went through the whole van and took all of our stuff out, every pencil, everything we own, they realized we weren't smuggling drugs into Canada. So they let us go. You know, that makes me think about the process of them seeing if it was drugs. It's like five hours later. Do you think they had a tester at the border that they gave your pill to? And they said, here, swallow this. And they waited for five hours to see if anything <laughs> happened. And nothing happened, so Shell Shay can go through. Well, you know, they did say they tested it. They went in this little room and had this tester thing, and they were like, this is hash, but I I don't recall having a hash pill, but that's what they said. But when you're in that situation, you're just kind of at the mercy of everyone. And uh, it was a good experience for me because I'd never been handcuffed or put in a cell. It's terrifying. So I feel for anyone who's um, been in that situation and... Obviously, a lot of people are put in prison and who didn't even do anything, so I couldn't imagine. But in the end, we got out, and so that's the good news. And so we were definitely scared to go to Vancouver, but we're ready. We're, we know we don't have anything. We're going to go. We're going to go for it, Narva. we got to take chances. It's part of the game, right? It's part of 
doing it, you have to take this risk everywhere you go. People should come out and check out Shell Shag next Saturday the 14th with Poor Form, Dead Soft, and SBDC at the Astoria and also earlier in the day at the Black Lab for a punk flea market at 2 p.m. So that's a punk flea market. What's the difference between playing something like a punk flea market and an Apple TV gig? <laughs> I don't really know because I... I, I... I don't, I don't think I've done an Apple TV gig. I, th- I thought you guys did an Apple TV gig. Didn't you do an Apple TV gig? I don't think we did. Unless you're talking about the Chris Gethard show, maybe. Was that sponsored by Apple TV? It, no, it wasn't sponsored by Apple TV. Where did you... <laughs> no, where you know more than us. I love it. Maybe it was sponsored by Apple TV, the Chris Gethard show. That is an interesting Which, show, isn't it? Maybe you could tell the people about that. That was actually in a bowling lanes, right? It, it was. It was Asbury Lanes in New Jersey. That's my home state. I love it there. And um, Chris Gethard's a hilarious comedian. And the coolest thing about Chris is he's been going DLI for a million years. And, uh, you know, he keeps bringing us on the show. You know, he always, he just, he's just the best. So, yeah, if you get a chance, check out Chris Gethard. And it was. It was at Asbury Lanes, which, sadly, they're going to tear down. It's like a historic kind of big Lebowski bowling alley. But uh, I'm really happy we got to do that because it was one of their last shows. Is Shell- you're right. Maybe Apple TV did air that. There was some weirdness with that because I never saw the whole show, actually. I think you needed Apple to see it. Is Shell but- still around, Shag? Yes, he is. Do you think you could hand the phone over? Or did you have something more to say right there? No, I don't, but the punk rock flea market, I think we might try and go at that acoustic, right, Shell? Going to try and do two different shows when we're there so you can see the two different sides of Shell Shag. So if you could hand the phone over to Shell, that would be great, Shag. Again, we're okay, speaking good. live here to Shell Shag on the Nardwarta Human Serviette Radio Show, playing Saturday the 14th at the Astoria in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And earlier on in the day, also playing at the Black Lab for a punk rock flea market at 2 p.m. Where are you calling from right now, Shell? Uh, we are on Highway 8 on our way to San Diego, about... 200 miles outside of San Diego on Highway 8, headed west. Now, I notice that's like a 10-hour drive from where you were last night. Is that usual for a drive, or is that nothing for Shell Shag? Is that nothing? It is nothing for Shell Shag. We got Master Roadie John Hayes behind the wheel, and it's nothing for him either. Uh, we do some shorties. Once we get there, we got a couple of two-hour drives back to back to back to back, and but several 10s and 12s, no big deal, piece of cake. What is the biggest band you guys have played with? What if that have been the Cramps? I guess I meant like big band and big audience. I would think uh, the Iggy Pop and the Cramps. Uh, we played once with Iggy Pop at the Fillmore in San Francisco, and uh, same situation with the Cramps, Halloween 2000. Both were really incredible for us. Uh, Last-minute decision by the band to ask for an opener, and uh, then you knew me and... Shag were reliable, so they gave us a call, and we were there, and really, really great time, especially that Halloween show with the cramps with a crowd full of astronauts and mermaids and gargoyles looking back at us, and just amazing, amazing time. Were you granted an audience with the cramps at all? Uh, We were not. In fact, it's fairly odd, because I'd seen the band maybe a dozen times growing up, high school and college, and for whatever reason, 
decided in advance we did not want to meet them. I felt like I, they were going to have to put on a show, even in the green room, for me to stay uh, 100% excited and a fan of the cramps. So we just left them a nice gift and a note in their green room and told them exactly that, that we would prefer to just play the set and get in the crowd and enjoy them the way we always had as fans growing up. So I never never took the opportunity to go meet uh, Lux or, um, or the rest of the band. That was very sweet of you to leave a note to them. That's incredible. I've never heard of a band doing that. How sweet. Well, I didn't want to be taken as rude, you know. I, I think from their perspective, they could thank you. Who are these jerks no one's heard of to think they're such a big deal that they wouldn't come and say hi to the band that's having them open for their show? A very popular and really outstanding band. I didn't want that to be uh, misconstrued as some kind of snobbery. So we were very honest in the note and just tried to explain it. I would just really rather remain a fan and always know, know your music from this side and not really be the real you. And apparently they felt the same way. They didn't didn't come down and try and change our mind about that, so it worked out well for everybody. Shell of Shell Shag, have any bands that you've played with gone on to play Madison Square Garden? Like you're playing a house party or a very small club, and then they become super huge and play Madison Square Garden or a huge venue. I was just curious about that. Well, several huge venues. I don't think anyone that we know personally has made it all the way to Madison Square Garden. But our friends in the Screaming Females play some really big shows and toured with Garbage, and I think some of those venues were, were pretty darn big, uh, just shy of the Madison Square Garden. I think they'd be the best example of that. And I think some uh, other people over the years that we may have played with maybe have joined the band and, and played some pretty big places, but not quite the Garden yet. So well, we'll see. We'll see. I think some of these bands might someday. They're pretty good. How many dates do you guys have on this tour? How many gigs total? 46 gigs total, and we got 20 left. You played the fest. What was that like? And how does the fest work? I heard that they hold the fest when a lot of people are out of town. Fest is an incredible event. I'm always excited to be welcomed down there each year, and they do. They organize it during the uh, football team there from Gainesville is the Florida Gators, and every year they play a game in Jacksonville against the Georgia Bulldogs. So neither team is in their home. Uh, arena, they're out of town, and this kind of clears out a little bit of space for thousands and thousands of music fans and punks and, and you know, all these kind of folks to come in, and they really do an amazing job down there, and this year was one of my favorite and one of the best shows me and, me and Jen have had down there in our six or seven visits down there to the fest. It's so nice to see people from all around the country, and for us, being a smaller band provides us a much bigger crowd because they're we take those little amounts from every city, and we, we get them all there in Gainesville at one time, and we all come down there and have a, just a really great time together. Played with great bands this year. Had a really, really good show. I noticed on November 17th, you're playing Minot, North Dakota, a house party, and it says, email for details. What is that going to be like? <laughs> I, we've been hearing about this Minot house party for years, and I've yet to uh, go there, so I... To tell you what I was told, which is a crazy, crazy time. This is all everyone says. you got to play this house in Minot. The kids are crazy, and they have such a good time, and they dance, and they go wild. And I, I feel we'll have to probably email to get the address ourselves. So maybe we're hiding a little bit from the 
Minot Police Department up there. I'm not sure. Or uh, maybe they just can't fit everybody who would want to come in this little house. We'll find out, but it's supposed to be a great time. I'm really excited about that show. Shell of Shell Shag coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, next Saturday, the 14th, to the Astoria. You also played Paris with Japanther, and I heard there was like an all-girl pit there. There were like all-girls in the pit. It was a very, very girl-heavy show. That show was actually at the Moulin Rouge, uh, the famous building that they have the movie about with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor and little pyramid, I mean, a little windmill spinning out front, and they toured us through all this building. There's all these different little rooms and everything, and all these beautiful, beautiful French women were at the show smoking cigarettes. You're very good-looking. Would you like to make out with us? And all of this, it was really, really a great time, and Japanther... And Shellshack had the best time all through Europe, and, and that show was one of the best, that show in Paris at the Moulin Rouge. And the Clit Fest prepared you for that? I, I, the Clit Fest is also a really, really uh, great event. There's all these uh, different festivals that spring up, and some of them benefit different things. And uh, I, I lose track of it sometimes, but I believe this one is in support of Planned Parenthood and or some type of organization similar to this. Uh, I get confused because there's so many now, but I think it's the greatest thing that people bring a bunch of bands together to bring people out so they can learn a little more about a cause that's important to them and we like taking part in that a lot we can see the smiling faces uh when we show up that we're there to help support something that they dreamed up that's supposed to you know is meant to do something really good for their community or the world as a whole we love taking part in stuff like this where was the clit fest um i think they had it in dc and uh there might have been a second one in uh New Jersey as well, and I think they've been moving it around, and there might even be a couple of groups of people working from the same from the same background, and there might be more more than one, and, it, and it's in a few different cities. Shell of Shell Shag, do you think you can hand over the phone back to Shag if that's possible? Yep, here she comes. And again, you're listening to the Nardbar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. We have Shell Shag on the line. They are coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Saturday to the Astoria. Also doing a punk rock flea market in the afternoon at the Black Lab. Hello, Shag. Are you still there? Hello. Yes, I am. Now, I was curious, Shag. You're in Shell Shag, but you were also the tour manager of the legendary band The Slits? Yes. How, believe that? how did you win them over? How did you win them over? How did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. Um, a friend of mine at the... Well, actually, Shell and I had met Aria from a friend a long time ago. She was doing a cable access TV show in New York. Long story short, we kind of ended up hanging out with her all night and helping her out. because She's an incredible person, but she always needed a lot of help, you know? She had her little son with her. He was about five at the time. His name was Wilton. We took him. She had, like, an after party. So we kind of babysat Wilton and got to know her and just never thought we'd see her again. Then another friend asked me if I was interested in uh, road managing them because I kind of was road managing bands when I wasn't touring in a band. It just kind of happened for many different bands. And uh, she thought I would be right for it. And because I knew Ari a little, I was. And... We had an epic journey together. It's fantastic, and it's actually led to a documentary about the Slits that we're three years in the making of now. 
I guess I was curious about your time with the Slits. I was supposed to do an interview with the Slits, but I'm not sure if it was the Slits or if it was Ari Solo. She was supposed to play the Vancouver Folk Fest in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, but I think she cancelled. Was it on that tour you were on? Were you coming to Vancouver? Was it West Coast at all? Was she doing dates solo before that? Actually, I think we were because... I would manage the Slits. We went all the way to California and back. But Shellshag also did a tour with the Slits. And I think we were going to Canada, but we canceled because Ari got sick and just she didn't want to go. She just got, got ill and just decided she wasn't up for going. And we just kind of, you know, said, okay. <laughs> so we didn't go. Yes, but I was. It was probably the reformed Slits. So Viv was not in the band, obviously, and Paul Mollard was not in the band, but the new slits were coming. But actually, it wasn't to Vancouver. That had to have been Ari Solo because we were going to Toronto, actually, on the East Coast side. So she did do some solo gigs before the slits reformation then? Always, yeah. She was always performing. Like, the True Warriors was one of Ari's bands, and... uh, Ari Solo, Medusa. She went under a lot of names. <laughs> and then finally was like, we have to reform the slits because it kind of embodies everything. So you're, f- you're filming the band when you're on tour. You're tour managing yeah. a band. You're driving yeah. them around and you're booking the shows. Insane. You're doing everything. It was insane. Well, at that time, actually, they had a booker. So I simply road managed the band. It was later when Shellshag toured with them that we booked it, and then we road managed, and we played all the shows and everything else with them. It was a shorter tour, and at that time, we were all good friends, and it made sense for all of us to do it when, you know, we just realized it was sort of, in a way, easier that way, and then we had full control, and we're able to take care of the slits a little better financially by sort of cutting out the middleman, so to speak, you know? No offense to all the bookers out there. When you were on tour, were you filming them for a movie, or was it just for fun, and then it turned into movie footage? Well, it was always a movie in Ari's mind. And so she, and Ari had this ability, so inspiring for me, she could get me to do anything. You know what I mean? You ever around someone like that? who just, okay, great idea, let's do it. And so she's like, we're making a movie. It's a movie about the slips. We have to film everything. Okay, ready. So we, it's funny, we're going through the desert right now, and I was just telling the guys, oh, we stopped here and filmed with the slips. So I just filmed hours and hours and hours of footage of Ari and all the girls. And so we were making this movie when, sadly, you know, she died. Um, and so I just let it go. And then five years later, Tess said the bass player, like, we have to do this movie. It's like bothering her that this film has not appropriately come out. So then we brought in our friend, Bill Basley, who we wrote a song about on our first album, uh, who's a really great filmmaker. He did a documentary on the band Carp. He's from Bellingham, uh, isn't he? Bellingham, Washington. Yes, yes, he is. Yes. And so we, you know, so we brought him in as director. In a way, it's like we're too close to the material. I don't know what to do with it. If I did it, it'd be a psychedelic mess, despite the fact that I actually went to film school for a minute a hundred years ago. So I'm happy to have someone organized who can do justice to a band that really deserves it, you know? And the the trailer is on the web for people to check out right now, right? It is. If you go to slitsdoc.com, 
you can check out a really great trailer of the film. And it should be done by this winter, which has taken a while. Uh, it's going to be fantastic. It's a really emotional film, really about young girls who did not have role models who learned to survive, essentially. You know, it's not so much just like, oh, we're in a cool punk band. It's like a story about life. It's beautiful. I can't wait for you to see it. I can't wait to see it. Shag of Shell Shag coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada next Saturday to the Astoria. When you were booking the slits, because you did book some gigs for the slits, did everyone know yeah. the slits when you phoned to book a gig? Did you have to tell people who the slits were? What were your experiences like trying to book the slits? That's a, that's a good question. Actually, everyone did know who they were. Okay. We, re- we really didn't have a problem. Everyone knew who they were. And they were so excited because... We went to kind of smaller venues and stuff. Some of them were a little larger in the bigger cities, but most of them were DIY spaces and people that we knew, club owners that we knew. So they were just thrilled to have such a uh, a great band at their place, and it you know made sense for everyone. It was like a win win situation. So yeah, everyone we contacted did know this was where they did. Did Ari Up or any of the other slits say anything to you about how big they could have been? Oh, Ari did all the time. Yeah, I mean, her, she, that, you know, that's kind of why she was making this movie. <laughs> you know, uh, she always, well, you know, it's really going to come out in the film. I feel weird talking for them. You know what I mean? I feel like Ari always felt they had been slighted, but also they were so young and got so popular so quickly that they needed to find themselves as individuals because they were turning into their early 20s. So it was natural for them to just disband and find themselves. But I think later, maybe a little part of them sort of regretted it because maybe you only just sort of get one chance. And this was a band who had pretty major opportunities, like touring with The Clash and stuff, you know? Well, I guess what I was um, curious about Shag from Shell Shag was the fact is you guys in Shell Shag have been rocking for years, booking your own gigs, doing it yourself, getting out there, playing all sorts of parties, real DIY. Yeah. But yet all these punk bands, the first generation of English punk bands, were all part of major labels. Like it's interesting how they're right. all part of major labels or they had big managers like Malcolm McLaren or Bernie Rhodes. You guys just had your Self, did any part of you just want to say, hey, airy up, you guys are in the slits, you're cool, but you should have just done DIY. Why did you need all this big backing? Why couldn't have you just kept doing it? Explain to them, we're going to take you and show you what you helped create, actually. And they were so young, they didn't even know. There was no DIY community the way we know it now. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I guess it hadn't been developed, so there was nothing for them to turn to. Oh, I think you're breaking up a tiny bit there, Shay. Can you still can you still hear me? Breaking up. We're going through the mountains here. Oh, okay. Well, it's funny. Just but as I you just hear that? just as I met, yeah, I did hear that that there was no DIY as we know it today. Back then, you were saying. Yeah. <laughs> But she didn't know that was possible actually at all. Um, did you that's really what happened with 
your message. And she was very excited about the Riot Girl movement because she's like, we helped start this. These are our people. We got to go back and reach them. And we were like, yes, they're out there and there's a way to do it where you don't need these labels and stuff anymore. Is that it's, it's, it's like, you, it's unnecessary. And, uh, she finally really did understand that by the end. And, uh, I think it was really cool to kind of show them that. You know what I mean? Did John Lydon come to any gigs at all? No, he, he didn't. He sat in the car during one. <laughs> Why didn't he come inside and see? Because that's his stepdaughter, right? It is, yeah. Um, well, her mom came in. I don't know. Maybe he was tired or something. <laughs> And you guys, Shell Shag, are coming to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, next Saturday to the Astoria. How is everything going so far on the tour? I noticed that you played with the Downtown Boys. Oh, and there was Shag. I guess they were disconnected in the mountains. So right now, why don't we hear a track from the rock and roll band known as Shell Shag on... The Nardwar, the human, serviette, radio, show. Oh, let's try right now. Hello, are you still there? Yeah, sorry, we're just going through the mountains. Oh, no, no problem. I was just going to cut to a song right now. And if we get cut off again, I guess we'll just be cut off again. But uh, the song, what do you say about the song Rattle Trap? We're going to hear the song Rattle Trap. Oh, you're going to play Rattle Trap? I got a great story for that. You want to hear it? Yes, please. Okay, you ever hear the band Pookie and the Poodles? No. Okay, well, Pookie and the Poodles is from California, and Pookie is a singer and songwriter in the band. We do a television show called Shellshonic's Shagovision. I did you can see it on YouTube. I did see that. I love the dr- backdrop that you have, your amazing backdrop. Yes, yes, the big TV set that Marissa from the Screaming Females painted with Shellhead. Um, anyway... Pookie's a big fan of Shell's old band, 50 Million, and uh, Shell Shag, and he really wanted to come over and be on the show. We were hesitant and not in the mood for guests. And he came over and was just a little kid, beaming ball of light, super energized, super excited, and, you know, was explaining to us how he learned, you know, to be an ethical person through music, and a lot of his drive was from Shell and the people that came before him, and Justin from No Bunny, who gave him his start in music, and uh, he said all he wants to do is return that favor to some other little kid, right? So Shell and I just, like, light up, and Shell shows him all the old scrapbooks, and everything we started talking about with this kid was, like, tour karma and how not to be, you know, a jerk in music and how to, how to keep this community going and, you know, just things like that. It was just a really wonderful hang that we had as we made this TV show. So I wrote down all these we talked about and then I went to the bathroom and when I came back Pookie and Shell had written Rattletrap and uh, Pookie was just beaming with excitement to sort of be writing with his hero and it was just adorable image and we also performed it on the Shell Shonic Shagavision show we did with him he was wonderful he even came and brought a little Kermit outfit so he even brought an outfit he was totally prepared and he also brought a major award that he gave to Shellhead which was the Resilient Bastard Award so he's a really cool kid, and it's really fun to collaborate with people. We collaborated with all our friends on this album, new and old, from the band Vacation, who recorded the album as well, Jerry and John, Pookie, Pookie and the Poodles, Peyton, 
he used to be in vacation and then was in tweens. Now he tours around with Twin Peaks and Swim Team and Black Planet and Marissa from the Females. It was an awesome collaboration. So that's kind of where we're at right now. It's like in this new state of egolessness where we're just kind of giving it up to the new kids and letting them kill it and propel us forward. It's, it's really uh, touching for us. <laughs> We also might kick in and play Blowing It as well. Blowing It. All right. Who was, All right, thanks. Was, was anybody collaborating on that one, Blowing It? No, I wrote that song, actually, and um, I don't know. It just kind of fell out. You're playing drums. Did you once buy, like, 200 drum heads at once? I did. I can't <laughs> I love that you know that. At South by Southwest, there was a drum shop probably 10 years ago that they would rent out drum kits, and so the drum head would only be used one time, but then they would sell the head for a dollar. And at the time, Shellshed, we used to break heads all the time and smash drumsticks through them, mostly give it to the audience and have them like beat the, beat the drum to death. And so when I realized I could buy 200 heads for $200, I did it. So we were able to smash 200 heads. And we still have them at our house and kind of like made, Shell kind of made it into like a table. <laughs> and all the heads have dates on them and everything. is a historical piece. <laughs> and Shag from Shell Shag, lastly, lastly here, early San Francisco stuff from your gig days there. What was that picture on your website oh, of an early Brian Jonestown massacre gig? It was like a picture of one of them sitting on your bed, sitting on your bed. Yeah, that's Anton sitting on my roommate's bed, actually. Uh, when we first moved to San Francisco in 94 and started a warehouse space, me and all my friends, um, mostly that I met in Ohio, um, the Brian Jonestown Massacre was a local band that was awesome and played at our house all the time. And I had a band called Noise Star, and my friend Dawn was dating Anton at the time, so we just all hung out all the time, have, and uh, he taught me a lot about recording. Have you done many gigs where you've actually played on the bed? Because I remember it was that place, Fort Thunder. <laughs> have you ever played the place Fort Thunder in Providence, Rhode Island? I do remember that name. Was I think it was... Was it Lightning Bolt House? Yes, I think it was Lightning Bolt House. And actually, I had the pleasure of playing there once, and we backed up a puppet. Great. We backed up a puppet show. We backed up the puppet show. The puppet show, whack it. Oh, how cool. They were the headliners, but we actually played on a bed. Like, the bed was the stage. And then when we finished <laughs> playing, everybody jumped up on the bed and pulled under the covers and watched the puppet show. And I guess I was curious. Oh, fun. Yeah, I guess I was curious. So when Anton was on your bed, was he actually playing on the bed? Like, was the bed part of the actual gig? Well, no, it wasn't. It was just us messing around in the house. Anton always had an instrument in his hand or in front of him <clears throat> for the entire time I knew him. Last, unbelievable. Have you kept up with them at all? A little bit, like here and there, but it's been it's been quite a few years. Well, I did get to play with them a few times. Like we opened for Psychic TV, is one of the scariest, funnest moments of my life because I got to play a bucket in a gown on this long catwalk. Genesis Peoria, just really nervous. 
So and you you played I with you played. So you played with Psychic TV, like you and Psychic TV. We were doing a benefit. Psychic TV was playing. It was a benefit for Genesis because I think his house burned down or something. I was young and nervous, and uh, the Brian Jones talent had set that show up and knew Genesis, and and so to me it was just a really giant concert. And Anton really helped me in that way because it was like just get out there, like. Wear your gown, go out there and pound on the bucket until we come out, which felt like, you know, about an hour to me. It was probably 10 minutes. But so I just rocked a beat till the whole Jonestown came out and backed me. Dunga, 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 dunga. <laughs> and then uh, slowly, once it started to go into that wave, I just kind of like crawled off and went away. It's really fun. Has that been documented? Is it on YouTube at all? I don't think so. Maybe I, I haven't looked. I haven't even thought about it in a long time. Actually, what would it be? Reminded what would it be billed as? Brian Jonestown Psychic TV gig was that what it would be? Yeah, benefit. Yeah, benefit show for Genesis during. A, I believe his house got fire. I could be totally wrong, Nardwar, but look it up. Well, like there was some kind of benefit. Something happened. Well, thanks so much for phoning in Shag and Shell to the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show. Again, you guys are coming to Vancouver next Saturday, playing the Astoria with Poor Form, Dead Soft at the and SBDC. Plus, you're doing an afternoon show at the Black Lab, and people can get all this information. I guess this by typing in Shell Shag Vancouver into Google, right? Yes. And we're going to play right now Rattle Trap and going to follow it up by Blowing It and also may sneak in The Degenerates. The Degenerates. Oh, cool. Excellent. With Fallout. So anything else you want to add to the people out there at all, Shag? I, I'm so excited to come out there. I'm, I'm looking forward to just being in Vancouver, seeing our friends and perform and are you going to make it, Nardwar? Try to make it out. Yeah, you try to make it, please. And um, that's it, really. I'm going to give it to Shell right now. Okay. And, and um, thank you so much for talking with us, Nardwar. You're, you just kind of blew my mind. <laughs> You're the best. Well, thank you for all the amazing music. Thank you. And all right, here goes Shell. Okay. All right, I'll talk to you soon. Do-do. Nardwar, it's me, Shell of Shell Shag, back with you again. Thank you again, Shell from Shell Shag. Hey. A- appreciate you guys calling in live to the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show as you're traveling, as you're traveling up to Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Why should people care about Shell Shag? Why should people care, you think? I have a great example of why they should care about Shell Shag, because I'm going to take the time to back up right now and correct myself from earlier and point out that Clitfest has nothing to do with Planned Parenthood, and I feel a little bad that I couldn't remember off the top of my head that it's actually about combating latent inequality for transgender and phobia, racism, and other forms of discrimination. And I would hate to misrepresent such a great group of people fighting so hard to do something great, but it was important that people know that Clitfest is about combating sexism, homophobia, transphobia, racism, and other forms of discrimination. And that's just one of many reasons why I think people should take a little time to try and get to know Shell Shag. It's not really about us. Uh, We just want to interact with as much of the music community and the people in the world as we can. It's what makes our world go round. We like to make a friend of every fan that that we'll ever pick up. And we just want our family to get bigger and bigger and bigger and continue to play until we can no longer do it anymore. And then we die. 
Well, that's the best reason I could give to get to know Shell Shag. Well, thanks so much, Shell from Shell Shag and Shell Shag. Keep on rocking in the free world. Hey. And do do the loot do. Oh, thanks, Starbar. Do do.
Shindig, CITR's annual band competition, is in its 30th year of promoting new local bands and providing great prizes. Shindig has